We're doing everything in our power to keep this fire from reaching their community. Tonight on Global News Hour, a behind-the-scenes look at the wildfire fight near Tumbler Ridge as crews launch a battle from all directions to save the town. Plus, pretty big impact to our community, and there is a, a deeper in place, but not ideal. The latest on the out-of-control wildfire at Cameron Bluffs and the convoy of essential vehicles and supplies into the area as a major route remains closed. And banging on each other's doors. Everybody got out as far as we know. A condo development leveled by fire in Maple Ridge and hundreds of residents displaced from nearby buildings. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin with the latest on the wildfire fight with the efforts concentrated on two major wildfires of note, starting with the West Quiscatinaw River fire just kilometers away from the town of Tumbler Ridge. Our Ramina Dea joins us from Dawson Creek, who was in the evacuated community of Tumbler Ridge. Ramina? Julie, evacuees were in tears yesterday when we met them. They were convinced that their town would be wiped out for sure. But it's still standing thanks to the efforts of fire crews who are still fighting a battle on the front lines. Like a tornado or hurricane, a wildfire cannot be stopped. Crews gifted a sprinkle of rain. But flames continue to devour the forest just four kilometers outside the community of Tumbler Ridge. We're doing everything in our power to keep this fire from reaching their community. Inside the town's borders, an army of firefighters and volunteers from across BC have come to help. With the fire so close, we're, we're hoping that we'll be able to do everything we can to, to save their community. Firefighters focused on spraying down homes, putting sprinklers on rooftops and removing ignition sources like dry brush in case the fire kicks up aggressively again. Crews wanting evacuees to know they have their backs. And even if it's just reassurance over, you know, talking to you that homes are okay and we're doing our best to protect them, can't guarantee outcomes, but we're here doing our best to do what we can to save it. There's lots of crews from all over the province coming up to help. There's many manpower. There's guys with years and years and years of experience here looking after the place you're in good hands one lightning strike is all it took 2400 residents ordered to leave their homes thursday after the fire blew up at its peak the fire was moving 1.5 kilometers an hour this fire took a 20 kilometer run yesterday so it was a 20 kilometer run and uh, it's uh currently at about uh, 20,000 hectares. Fire crews on the front lines taking advantage of the weather, laying fire breaks and pounding the forest with water. While it looks like a calmer day, it's dangerously deceiving. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's much of a threat, but uh, all it takes is a change in wind direction and uh, we could be right back. Now, the winds have picked up significantly, Julie, since about four hours ago. So the weather is definitely going to be what fire crews are focused on. The evacuation order in Tumbler Ridge at this point remains. However, we have learned that the district is issuing temporary entry passes for people who have a legitimate reason to be inside the town. For example, if you've got livestock that's been left behind and you need to look after them or any other essential services. Back to you. 
All right, thanks, Ramina. That's our Ramina Dea reporting live from Dawson Creek tonight. An evacuation order has been issued for the district of Tumbler Ridge due to the out-of-control fire that burns mere kilometers from the community. But despite the risk, the district's mayor says some 150 residents have decided to stay behind. The B.C. Wildfire Service says the West Kiskatinaw wildfire is now at about 19,000 hectares and so close to town. The fire and smoke is a threat to human life, but while the area looks like a ghost town, some residents have stayed put. We're out in uh, our storage yard here in Tumblr, just trying to, anybody that was bringing stuff out, we, you know, they were just dropping stuff off in a mad rush. And, you know, I feel uh, the obligation to kind of be around to make sure that none of their stuff gets stolen or looted or anything like that. You know, I'm watching the weather. I got the NASA app. I got the smoke app. Uh, you know, I've, I've got some contact with some friends in the, uh, in town and stuff. And we're going to hang out here as long as we can. And when the time comes, if we have to evacuate, we're going to, uh, you know, block off the gates so nobody can get it in and out of their yard here and lock everything up and chain everything up and, uh, and head out. Will Howe says residents fled the community in a rush, expecting an alert before the evacuation order. Now to the other wildfire of note in B.C., the Cameron Bluffs fire on Vancouver Island that's shut down a major route indefinitely. Travis Prasad has the latest on that. Travis? Yeah, Julie, Highway 4, which connects Tofino, Euclid and Port Alberni to the rest of the island, is still closed indefinitely as the Cameron Bluffs wildfire continues to burn. New images of the highway showing what's behind that closure. In at least one section, a large tree has fallen directly across the highway as the sloping land alongside the road becomes unsettled. With the highway closure comes supply chain concerns. There is a detour open, and to ease some of those concerns, the Transportation Ministry announced today priority on that detour will be given to essential goods delivery. So starting tomorrow, there will be four escorted convoys to and from Port Alberni for commercial vehicles transporting supplies like food and fuel. The first one at 5 a.m. and the last one at 8 p.m. every day until further notice. The intent of the piloted convoys is just to ensure that oncoming passenger traffic is aware of the approaching commercial vehicle convoy. And it's also to help separate commercial vehicles from regular passenger traffic that is traveling on the route. So we will not be allowing any passenger vehicles to pass the convoy in the same direction. Cameron Bluff's fire is burning out of control on steep terrain east of Port Alberni. It's an estimated 208 hectares in size. Cool, wet weather yesterday helped crews out, and BC Wildfire Service says there's no notable growth east or west and no evacuation alerts or orders at this time. The big problem for people has been that highway closure, which sparked panic buying of gas and groceries, something the Seishot First Nation is advising against. We do have all of our basic needs, including food. Our grocery stores still have deliveries coming in. So it's important that we stay calm and we ensure that we are only buying what we need. No word on when Highway 4 will reopen. The next update is Monday afternoon. Meanwhile, crews continue attacking this wildfire, which is suspected to be human-caused. Julie. All right. Thanks for that, Travis. And in the interior now, crews are battling a large wildfire that's broken out in Wells Gray Provincial Park. The B.C. Wildfire Service says the Myrtle Lake wildfire is currently about 1,270 hectares in size and is out of control. The Myrtle Lake area, which includes the access road parking lot and trails, has now been closed. It's believed it was sparked by lightning. 
For the second time in a month, residents of Edson, Alberta, about two hours west of Edmonton, have been told to leave their homes because of an encroaching wildfire. We left at midnight, so uh, the fire was about three kilometers from our place, and we could actually see the orange glow and the flames. So it was pretty stressful. An emergency alert was issued for the town of 8,000 people last night after the fire jumped and was showing unpredictable behavior. There are at least four out-of-control fires burning around Edson. So what are the conditions that firefighters will be facing over the next day? Here's our meteorologist Yvonne Shell. Yvonne, what can you tell us? Thanks, Julia. We had a much needed and brief reprieve today with the cooler temperatures and some precipitation. At this hour, though, the instability is still across the Thompson region, the Okanagan extending in towards the boundary. We do have a severe thunderstorm watch that is in effect where we could see very gusty winds, hail as well as rainfall. We're also seeing a line of thunderstorms working its way across the central interior. We'll be watching that very closely. Closely, the smoke for the northeastern corners of the province will continue over the next 24 and 48 hours, and areas across that region will be watching the winds shifting anywhere from a north to northwesterly wind in a few spots tomorrow, be closer to a westerly wind with up to 20 kilometers per hour. We are also looking at the risk of thunderstorms moving in across the region. The areas of concern will be for the southeastern corners of the Colombian Kootenai. Tomorrow will be at moderate minor, though, for the southern interior, and that extends in towards the Okanagan. However, temperatures on the, on the rise. How warm will it be? I'll have that coming up very shortly. Julie? Okay, thank you, Yvonne. To Maple Ridge now, where a devastating fire broke out at an apartment building under construction. The heat so intense from that fire, it spread to an occupied neighboring building and forced hundreds out of their homes overnight. Julia Foy reports. Oh, it's coming down. Look at that. There it goes. coming down. Maple Ridge residents were shocked to see a condo development that was 50% completed go up in flames just before midnight on Friday. A lot of heat, even like we were probably a quarter kilometer away almost, and it, you could just feel the heat from it. It was hot. Fire crews from Maple Ridge, Mission and Pitt Meadows raced to the scene, but it was fully engulfed when they arrived and it didn't stop there. The thermal energy of this fire uh, transferred across at the lane uh, quite handily and ignited a significant portion of the neighboring building across the lane. 60 firefighters plus police and emergency personnel had to evacuate several hundred people living in the edge-to-edge -edge condo development. There are no reports of residents being injured, but one female RCMP member did go to hospital due to smoke inhalation. Call the fire department. The building's on fire. This man who asked not to be identified says his home next door to the condo was also destroyed and he had just seconds to get out. I come outside, the heat from coming out of the house must have been around 150 degrees. In a matter of half an hour, the house was toast, right down to the ground. This entire intersection and area is covered with all kinds of blackened, lightweight material. This was on fire. It came off of the building a block away, and then it came on the wind and was scattered around this neighborhood. This could have been a lot worse. Super grateful for the rain last night because it was pouring all night long. If this had happened the night before, six to ten blocks of Maple Ridge would be on fire right now. An investigation is underway to determine the cause of this devastating fire. There are no estimates on how long it will take to repair the damage. 50% of it is, is damaged by fire to some degree, um, and 100% of it is damaged by water. 
Julia Foy, Global News. Kamloops RCMP are asking for the public's help to find two missing seniors. 76-year-old Barbara and 72-year-old Alan Hunt were confirmed to be in Kamloops three days ago. Police said the couple was reported missing by a family member on Friday when they failed to be in touch as expected following an appointment in town on Wednesday. The Hunts are believed to be driving a brown 2011 four-door Chevrolet Cruze with BC license plate HL577N. RCMP say the couple may be traveling between Kamloops and Williams Lake or en route to Kelowna. A man has pleaded guilty in a bizarre incident in Nanaimo last August where a log was dropped onto a pair of kayakers. The six-meter-long log was shoved off a cliff on Jesse Island at the entrance to Departure Bay Beach as a man and woman paddled by. RCMP say the pair was involved in a short exchange with someone standing on the island. The log struck the woman and knocked her out of her kayak. Tristan Jed Monder was arrested and charged with two counts of assault with a weapon. The 38-year-old entered a guilty plea in Nanaimo court this past week and sentenced at a later date. Straight ahead on Global News Hour, cleaning up Chinatown. A closer look at the efforts to revitalize the area since funding for cleanup started to flow there. And what it means for travelers as Swoop Airlines closes shop. Stay with us. After largely being ignored by all three levels of government during the COVID-19 pandemic, Vancouver's Chinatown has received millions in revitalization funding in recent months. And as Kristen Robinson reports, the renewed hope for the future was evident during the historic neighborhood's annual cleanup. Armed with garbage bags and trash pickers, more than 250 volunteers joined Chinatown's annual cleanup Saturday. Some finding the streets already trim. We've had people come up this, uh, this morning and say, wow, you know, what are we cleaning up? With politicians paying attention to the rich history tarnished by anti-Asian hate and street disorder, citizens are also giving back. It's difficult to describe it really. It just feels like doing something community rather than just living here. Doing this, I think, is just part of like being a good neighbor and uh, part of the community. I like to uh, contribute to society. I like to, um, you know, this is close to my neighborhood and it's really important for me to make sure this place is looking nice. Well, I live in the area, so, I mean, it's important to help out in my community. It's a stark contrast from last year. We've had support from all three levels of government, really to, to focus on Chinatown and, and uh, restoring it. The motion passes unanimously. With in January, City Council approved a $2.2 million Chinatown action plan to help revitalize the area. Thank you for not giving up on Chinatown. Less than a month later, the federal government rolled out $1.8 million. Then in May, BC Premier David Eby toured Chinatown, committing $2.2 million in provincial funds for infrastructure upgrades in the historic neighborhood. Things are improving. I think it's going to be a little bit of a process, but I think we're on the right track. And looking back from last year, there is quite an improvement. While the local BIA says people are feeling safe again, stakeholders say it will be important to sustain the support to ensure public safety is restored. It's really heartwarming. I know we're in uh, an era politically where there's a lot of division and a lot of mistrust and a lot of hatred. Um, and events like this really showcase in 
a real physical embodied way that we are far more united than we are divided. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A warning, this next story contains disturbing details. Dozens of people gathering in front of Vancouver's art gallery in downtown this afternoon to honor the life of an Iranian boy shot and killed by the regime's forces. Keon Pierfalak would have turned 10 today, but instead his life was stolen from him last November when witnesses say the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps shot at him while he was sitting at his parents' vehicle. Keon is one of 76 confirmed cases of children killed by the regime. Rainbow was the theme of today's memorial rally after a video of the boy went viral when he said, in the name of God of the rainbow. I'm here because I really like to support my country. It's just come from my heart. I can see how they're killing people. 10-year-old boy, doesn't matter age, they're just killing people, the terrorist regime. We cannot grow up in that country. We cannot grow up in Iran. It's so hard. That's why we just came here. Today's rally is happening in cities across the globe. RCMP near Victoria are sharing a photo of the suspect in two suspicious incidents near a school. On May 17th, West Shore RCMP received a report of a partially clothed man sitting on the railway track near the 200 block of Helmkin Road near View Royal Elementary School. On June 7th, police got another report of a man matching the same description walking northbound on the ENN trail in the same area. There have been no reports of the suspect approaching anyone, but RCMP would like to speak with him. Still to come on Global News Hour, a counter-offensive on the way. Justin Trudeau makes his second top-secret visit to Kyiv since Russia's invasion. We'll have more on Canada's assistance over there. And then an obstetrics clinic in Kamloops is back in operation, but long-term plans are needed to keep it open. More on that when we come back. Intergovernmental Affairs Minister says federal opposition parties have to work together in the wake of David Johnston's sudden resignation as the special rapporteur on foreign interference. In a letter sent to the Prime Minister Friday, Johnston says, given the highly partisan atmosphere around my appointment and my work, my leadership has had the opposite effect. Adding his resignation is effective no later than the end of June or as soon as he delivers a brief final report. The former governor general was appointed by the PM back in March. He was tasked with looking into alleged Chinese election interference. Opposition parties have been calling for his resignation, citing alleged conflicts of interest and a recommendation against a public inquiry. We have always said that this next phase should include a public process, uh, but we're now giving the opposition parties something they've asked for, is a chance to have input directly into that process and not simply stand up in question period and demand a public inquiry and not offer any constructive suggestions as to how that might operate. Justin Trudeau has made his second top-secret visit to Kyiv since Russia's invasion. Standing beside the Prime Minister, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky revealed Ukraine's long-awaited counter-offensive has finally begun. And today, Trudeau announced another $500 million in weapons for Ukraine. Crystal Gumansing reports. Ukraine's pain and persistence witnessed firsthand by the prime minister and his deputy. 
The faces of fallen soldiers, a reminder of the lives lost and those still on the line. $500 million in new funding was announced by Justin Trudeau to support Ukraine as it repels invading Russian forces. The list of new pledges also includes Canada joining the coalition of countries to train Ukrainian fighter pilots, and it will help service Leopard 2 tanks at a centre in Poland. I appreciate your own support. The Ukrainian president's comments come as people in his country defend their sovereignty while simultaneously scrambling to recover from an environmental and humanitarian disaster. The collapse of the Novokhovka Dam has submerged towns and villages in southern Ukraine, forced thousands to be rescued, and left many in the region with a short supply of drinking water. Mr. Prime Minister, was it Russia that blew up the Kohovka Dam? After not answering our question and then couching his answer to Ukrainian media, the Prime Minister put a finer point on the matter, concluding his response this way. This was a direct consequence of Russia's war. Since Russia launched its full invasion of its neighbor, Ukraine has been rallying the world for support, saying it's defending democracy for all. NATO, meanwhile, has been trying to reassure member states on the doorstep of the largest war on European soil since the Second World War. Canada still hasn't met the NATO member target of 2% GDP for defense spending. So really, what example is Canada setting on the world stage? Canada is the sixth largest in NATO uh, by defense spending, and we have consistently stepped up and will continue to. Being equipped and able to protect Canadians or any NATO member is a requirement. Ukraine has aspirations of joining. Canada supports its membership and says it will keep providing the country and its people with anything at its disposal for the long term. No bombs, no bullets and no bullies will ever take away your drive for freedom. Crystal Gamansing, Global News. In Health Matters, some good news for expectant parents in the Kamloops area. A local obstetrical clinic now says they will be accepting patients with due dates at the end of the year. Previously, a staff shortage led to fears of a possible closure this summer. While the extension is not permanent, there is hope that further steps will be taken to ensure the stability of prenatal care there. Our report is from CFJC News. Relief for expecting parents throughout the Kamloops region as the Thompson Region Family Obstetrics Clinic will now start accepting patients again on Monday. It is uh, just incredibly important for confidence, for, for families. For Dr. Grant Del Biggio with the Division of Family Practice was ecstatic everybody's hard work has finally paid off. I did uh, obstetrics uh, for more than 30 years and I just know how important it is to get people safely and give them the confidence that they can get through this part of, uh, you know, a family life uh, safely. So huge. Co-principal of the TRFO, Dr. Sean Davis, confirmed that while they're only accepting mothers with due dates up to the end of the year, there's confidence they'll be open longer than that. So we have locums committed to get us through to that time. Um, obviously, we hope by that point that those locums or other people will have helped us extend the schedule forward. We typically build our schedule six months out, um, and so that's just as far as we have got. So I, I don't want to be like a pessimistic and say only December. Um, it's just that's all we can promise. 
Earlier this week, Interior Health announced the opening of a new midwifery clinic at Royal Inland Hospital. Davis believes the two clinics will work together to provide needed care to mothers. So that is sort of the interim solution to help offload um, all of these patients that haven't been. Um, definitely was like a midwifery-driven uh, model, and uh, I think it's going to be excellent. Because even if we open, as you can imagine, it's going to take a long time for us to onboard all of the patients that are out there in the community without uh, providers currently. Where we learn to provide care, uh, you know, with a, you know, part, different parties working together as far as that goes. And maybe it does mean working out some new systems, some new contracts, all these sort of things. But I'm optimistic for the future that, you know, we can build on this and uh, provide, you know, continuous care going forward. Michael Reeves, CFJC News. Coming up on Global News Hour, the retired Martin Mars water bomber could be heading to a new home. Plus, stopping in to visit the Tour de Concorde cycling race in downtown Vancouver when we return. You're watching Global BC. One of Vancouver's biggest bike races returned to the city today with races for everyone from kids to professional athletes. And they're off! Part of the False Creek area was car-free this afternoon as the Tour de Concorde cycling race and free family festival rolled into town. The massive full-day cycling event featured a new 900-meter lap for racers to test their metal on. The new route was within the Concord Pacific Place property on Pacific Boulevard. You know what, Yvonne, this is when rain isn't a good thing because I saw some of the cyclists actually, you know, wipe out on that wet pavement. Yeah, that's it's, it's toss up, right? Yeah. Not as hot, but then a little bit slippery out there as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what difference a day makes, Julie? Thank you so much and good evening, everyone. Now, we are seeing some cloud cover out there. We'll hang on to it. We still have a slight chance to see an isolated shower this evening, but a clearing is on the way. We're currently sitting at 14, the high today, just up to 15 degrees. We've got a light wind out of the airport southerly up to six kilometers per hour with the cooler temperatures and the precipitation today a quick update on the fire danger rating we have seen an improvement but we're not out of the clear just yet because temperatures will be on the rise once again with very hot and dry conditions but a snapshot of what it looks like out there right now low to moderate for most areas but we're still at high to extreme and that includes the northeastern corners of the province now this is the big weather story that we'll be following by monday so both tomorrow and leading in towards monday temperatures will bump up away from the water pushing closer to 30 degrees very hot and dry a bit of a reprieve will come later on in the week for the interior it'll be very similar with temperatures into the low 30s so still very hot and dry will rebound quite quickly cloud cover with a few isolated showers along the south coast the active weather still in effect with the severe thunderstorm watch or watch that is in effect that includes the Thompson the Okanagan extending all the way towards the boundary Grand Forks included within that we still have a few lightning strikes that are passing through Across the central interior, and the big concern will be for the northeastern corners of the province. We'll watch those winds shift through the day tomorrow, and we are still hanging on to some instability. Areas of concern for tomorrow, though, anywhere will be for the southeastern corners with that risk of a thunderstorm. Minor, though, but we will see some pop up for the Thompson and the Okanagan as well. Along the coast tomorrow, we're bumping up to 27, but it's hot. Terrace even getting up to 27 degrees. We've got the widespread smoke for the northeastern corners. If you do have respiratory issues, we we'll want to try and limit the amount of time spent out 
outdoors will still be impacted over the next 24 and potentially 48 hours. Central interior with a bit more cloud cover for the morning hours breaks as we get in towards the afternoon. Here is the area of concern. Southern interior, southeastern corners, Columbia and Kootenai is where we're looking at that risk of thunderstorms for the afternoon and early evening hours tomorrow. Whistler, we should bump up 25 as the high. Most areas across the island, it'll be pleasant through the day, but inland for Port Alberni will get up to 29 degrees. A few isolated showers still lingering for the Fraser Valley, clearing out towards the afternoon. We're brightening up through the afternoon tomorrow, 24 humid X up to 26. Hot day on Monday, that looks to be one of the nicest out of the bunch. We'll be up to 27 degrees, a few isolated showers popping in on our Tuesday. Julie? Thank you, Yvonne. Well, the retired Martin Mars water bomber could soon be heading to a new home. The aircraft, which is about the same size as a Boeing 747, could be going to the BC Aviation Museum in Victoria. The Mars was flown from 1961 to 2015, helping battle more than 4,000 wildfires, famously known for dropping a massive amount of water over fires in a single pass. The current owner, Colson Aviation, retired their Mars fleet several years ago, and now talks are ongoing with the museum about upgrades to accommodate and display the Mars. Well, mm. to both of you, would you go? Retire it off? Yeah, sure. Although I was going to say, retiring a plane to the museum only eight years after it was working, that's pretty pretty fast track to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's right. Must be a great plane. Well, when you're that good. I yes. guess so. That's the way it is. Yes. So what have you got? Well, if you think it's been a while since the Canadian team won the Stanley Cup, 30 years and counting, it's been 69 years since a Canadian man won the Canadian Open on the PGA Tour. But Abbotsford's Nick Taylor wants to change some history. He had a record-breaking day today in uh, Toronto. We'll show you highlights of uh, Nick's fantastic round. And also, it's UFC night. It's busy down at uh, downtown Vancouver. The Whitecaps are playing at 7.30 and going on right now is UFC 279. And we'll preview one of the uh, ladies trying to win a world title tonight. She's from Mexico. Her name's Arena Aldana. And uh, she's got long odds against her tonight because Amanda Nunez usually never loses. But that's why they fight the fight, I That's guess. Right. We'll have her story coming up. Awesome. Thanks so much. Well, coming up on Global News Hour, one less budget option when traveling. Reaction to WestJet's decision to shut down Swoop and the impact to travelers when we come back. Another Canadian budget airline will soon be no more. On Friday, Western announced they will be shutting down Swoop Airlines, merging it into their operations. As Paul Johnson reports, it has critics saying that one less travel option will have Canadian passengers paying the price. Taxiing to the Abbotsford Terminal Saturday, Swoop Flight 203 delivered a 737 full of passengers to the Lower Mainland many of them quite satisfied with their flight and the amount they paid for. The ticket was $36. $21 one way and 48 coming home. Friday's announcement that WestJet will be discontinuing its low-cost venture is but the latest in a decades-long series of attempts to offer a discount option to Canadian travellers. Anybody remember Canada 3000? Analysts say Swoop's demise will leave a gaping hole in the market segment. Seriously cheap fares, but with the reliability and service of a major airline. There is no other airline in the category today that can compete 
uh, with it. So we pioneered the ultra-low-cost airport space along with ultra-low-cost carriers. Abbotsford Airport GM Parm Sidhu says the loss of Swoop will likely be just a minor footnote in his airport story. YXX's total passenger volume is forecast to break the 1 million mark this year and exceed its pre-pandemic high. With lots of space to grow and a new and cheap shuttle connection to SkyTrain, Sidhu says they're ready to do business with anyone who sees an opportunity to fill the gap left by Swoop. We're an open platform. Uh, it's open to anyone, any other carriers wanting to come here. In the meantime, expect Canadians to take advantage of Swoop's remaining flights. With some of the one-way fares lower than a major city cab fare to the airport, discount airlines are enabling people to travel who might not otherwise go. Not everybody can afford $1,000 to come to... Like, we live in Alberta, and so this at least is a reasonable way to come out. At Abbotsford Airport... Paul Johnson, Global News. Coming up in sports, fresh off the Canadian Championship. What's ahead for the Vancouver Whitecaps as they take on Cincinnati tonight? There's much more when we come back. Come face to face with one of the world's most famous predators. At the Royal BC Museum, experience the life of Sue, the most complete and best-preserved Tyrannosaurus Rex ever found. Don't miss out on learning how Sue survived their challenging and dangerous world. Don't miss the multi-platinum Grammy Award-winning artist and songwriter Sam Smith as they bring their glory of the tour to Rogers Arena on August 22nd. Be there and enjoy an amazing performance and also see special guest Jesse Reyes. For Our BC, I'm Michael Newman. Global BC Community Hub. Promote your event, Build your community. Global BC Community Hub, bringing your worlds together. And Barry is back. What you got? Well, I'm going to start off with a little golf. Okay. Although today was not golf and weather here. It was nice in Toronto, though, so we'll start there. Thanks, Julie. It's been nearly uh, 70 years since a Canadian won the PGA Tour's Canadian Open, but there will be some players wearing the Maple Leaf who can change that history tomorrow in Toronto. Corey Connors is right there, and so is Abbotsford's Nick Taylor, who began the day seven shots off the lead, but then fired a sparkling 9-under-63 course record at Oakdale to vault right onto the first page of the leaderboard. It was a beautiful day in Toronto, but you got to stay out of the rough at this course or it's trouble. Taylor had no problems. He played one of his best rounds of golf as a pro today. Birdie at number five. That's his third one already. The front nine is very tough. The back nine is where you score. Taylor with the tee shot on the par three ninth, sticks it close, would make that for par a five under 31 on the front, and he is at seven under, and he just kept on climbing up the leaderboard at the 13th. Knocks in the birdie here, his seventh of the day. Obviously, you got to be able to putt well in these tournaments if uh, you're going to contend. And Nick really had the flat stick going at 18. This is for the course record. And down it goes, 9 under 63. Taylor took the lead at 11 under, but the leaders hadn't even teed off yet. He's tied eighth. He's in the hunt. Adam Hadwin is tied 15th at 7 under. Roger Sloan is 33rd. And Vancouver's Stuart McDonald, nice job to make the cut, is 58th. Meanwhile, Ontario's own Corey Connors, second place when the day began. Connors made for this course an accurate ball striker, hits him straight. Great approach at 5. That got him to 10 under. It was also a very good day for England's Tommy 
Fleetwood. He almost matched Taylor's course record. Fleetwood 8 under 64. He is at 12 under for the tournament. Tied second, Rory McIlroy. Loves playing in Canada. Two-time defending champ of this event. And he's right there again. 6 under 66 for Rory. And he is in that big group at 12 under. Tied for second. There are six of them tied for second. Connors round stalled out for about nine holes, but gets a nice birdie at the 17th. Just two under today. Ten under par. He's ninth. Four off the lead. Still has a chance. They're all chasing Taiwan's C.T. Pan, who will make the birdie on 18. He's at 14 under. He's got a two-shot lead, but there's big names in pursuit. McElroy, Justin Rose, along with Connors and Taylor. Here's Nick now on his record-breaking day, getting him right into the mix at the Canadian Open. I'd love to be uh, where I'm sitting, obviously, after tomorrow, but to give myself a chance tomorrow, I think, was, was the goal starting the week. Um, you know, halfway through that first round, I wasn't really feeling that, but was able to turn around, make some putts, kind of the end of the first round, actually, to kind of see the ball go in the hole. And um, again, yesterday I played great and just continue that today. We'll see if he can keep it going. The uh, Whitecaps must still be riding the high of that Canadian championship win on Wednesday night, but they really have to be ready tonight when they host MLS leading Cincinnati at 7.30. Cincinnati have won six straight league matches. They have just one loss all year, and that was two months ago. So the Caps have to have one of their best performances of the season to keep the good times rolling at BC Place. It's like you said, it's a lot of games and a, not a lot of time, and it's taxing. It's it's hard physically. It's a, you gotta do a lot in your preparation, your recovery. But yeah, like you said, it's the last one of the stretch. We're gonna do everything we can to to put our best foot forward, get a result against a very good team at home. Cincinnati is a very good team. They're top of the league right now. Supporter Shield uh, leaders, good players offensively, defensively. So it's gonna be a, a huge test for us. Uh, but like I said, we have a lot of momentum coming from that Can Champ game, um, and hopefully we can just continue to build on that. I, it's nice to have the game at home this year. Uh, and so hopefully the fans, the fans will be there supporting us all the way through, and hopefully we can end this, uh, this stretch with three points at home. Champions League final from Istanbul, Turkey. Manchester City against Inter Milan. The only goal of this match coming from Man City in the 68th. Rodri gets a running start, thumps it into the back of the net. So many weapons for Man City. Today it was the Spaniards' turn. 1-0 the final. Man City is pretty good at doing this. Lifting the trophy, they complete the treble. Premier League champs, FA Cup champs, and now Champions League champs. No doubt who the best club in the world is right now. That is Man City. Well, our next story does have some violent images, so if uh, UFC is not your thing, maybe best turn away for a couple of minutes. UFC 289 is already underway at Rogers Arena with the early preliminary fights. The main card gets underway at 7. The main event features the great Amanda Nunez defending her bantamweight championship against Arena Aldana of Mexico. Nunez is considered the greatest woman MMA fighter of all time. Aldana, meanwhile, was an injury replacement for Juliana Pena, who is the only person to beat Nunez in the last decade. For Aldana, it's the chance of a lifetime, especially with women fighters starting to get some much-deserved recognition in her home country of Mexico. She's winging these, but she's not there. Arena Aldana truly has a puncher's chance to celebrate the greatest moment of her 11-year MMA pro career. She's a heavy underdog against Amanda Nunez, who even Aldana admits is the greatest woman fighter ever. But opportunity has come knocking, and the 35-year-old is taking an all-or-nothing approach against Nunez, who has just one loss in her last 14 fights over an eight-year span. In this fight, I'm coming with the mentality of, of winning, and it's not 
kill or die in that fight for me is kill or kill and, and, and that's it. It's been a banner year for Mexican fighters. They now own two world titles in UFC, including women's featherweight champ Alexa Grasso. Aldana would love to make it three Mexican champs. But just as importantly, she feels Mexican women are starting to gain acceptance as fighters in their own country. For our culture, it's not uh, normal to see women fighting. And it was hard at the beginning because we were uh, questioned about why are we doing this? If you're, if you're a girl, you look so nice, where are you, you, where do you want to be hit? And we were defending the idea that it's not that I like to be hit, it's like, this sport is part of my evolution and for all women's evolution and uh, it, it doesn't make me less of a woman to be able to fight and it makes me stronger and makes me, um, uh, I don't know, it makes me more confident. When you can do that, yes, you're confident. French Open Women's Final, 22-year-old world number one, Iga Svatek of uh, Poland, taking on Karolina Muhova of Czech Republic. Svatek has won two of the last three titles at Roland Garros, won the first set easily, but uh, Muhova came back. Brilliant play there to win the point, took the second set 7-5, but... Sviatek uh, righted the ship and won the big points at crunch time in the third. And Iga does it again, wins her third French Open title, 6-2-5-7-6-4 in just under three hours. The men's final goes tomorrow. Novak Djokovic versus Casper Ruud. Baseball from Toronto, Blue Jays and Twins. Jays have had a great week, beat Houston three of four. Things look good early in this one when Vladdy Guerrero sends the base hit to right. He's uh, struggled a bit of late. Brandon Belt scores. Actually, Belt injured his hamstring on the play net to leave the game, but it doesn't look too serious. Jays led 3-0 at one point, but it all fell apart in the eighth when the Twins put up seven, four in one swing. Carlos Correa off Adam Simber, a grand slam. Twins win 9-4, Jays record 36-30, but they're just a game and a half out of the final wild card spot. Show you some CFL tonight. Ottawa at Montreal. Cody Fajardo, the new quarterback in Montreal, coming over from Saskatchewan. First quarter, Fajardo going deep. Finds Austin Max, 61-yard gain inside the Ottawa 5. Led to a Fajardo quarterback sneak touchdown. And the Alouettes lead right now, 19-12 late in the fourth. And game four of the Stanley Cup Finals from Florida. Brooks Kepka is a big Panthers fan, but they want a mulligan on the start because less than two minutes in, Chandler Stevenson beats Sergei Bobrovsky five-hole, one-nothing Golden Knights. They've just scored two very quick goals, so it doesn't look good for the Panthers. Three-nothing right now, Vegas leads, and they are late in the second period. Well, highlights of that one tonight at 11, along with the Whitecaps and uh, UFC and... Lots of stuff. Busy. Awesome. Thank you so mm -hmm. much. Well, still to come on the news hour, the incredible story of four young children found alive in the Amazon after a plane crash more than a month ago. Stay with us. Now to an amazing story out of the Colombian jungle. More than a month ago, a small plane went down. Remarkably, though, four young siblings on board survived and have now been rescued from the rainforest. Farhan Nasser reports. In an instant, weeks of fear and uncertainty turned to joy and relief for the grandparents of four children as they learned the siblings are alive. 
The children, 13, 9, 4, and a now 12-month-old baby, were found in the inhospitable Colombian jungle, not far from where the small plane they were on crashed 40 days ago. Their grandfather telling reporters he's delighted at the remarkable turn of events. The Cessna 206 was carrying seven people when it issued a Mayday alert due to engine failure on May 1st. Three adults, including the pilot and the children's mother, died in the crash. The search within the dense jungle was dubbed Operation Hope. At one point, rescuers found discarded fruits the children ate to survive, as well as improvised shelters, but no sign of them. Then, last night when they were found, the Colombian military shared this photo with soldiers. The siblings were airlifted to Bogota, where they're receiving medical care and a visit from the Colombian president. The next stop, home, to be reunited with their family after five very long weeks. Just wow. That's amazing. Incredible. I mean, you it's, said they're, the, they're from a survivalist family, so yes. they knew what to do, which not, you know. And what not to eat. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, to stay away of, from. A lot of bad things in the Amazon. Yes. <laughs> that could bite you yes. or yeah. kill or you. Yeah, could poison you, yes. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, it's incredible. Quick look at the weather. Yeah, we are looking at a bit of instability still this evening with some cloud cover, but uh, tomorrow we're back into some sunshine, a clearing. It'll be towards the afternoon and hot and sunny on Monday, uh, away from the water up to 27. A few isolated showers and spotty on Tuesday so far. All right. Well, thanks so much for being with us. See you again at 11. Have a good night.